Hello and welcome to the Sport and Life podcast. My name is Ed Draper, or some of you might know me as Teddy Draper online, but I'm a sports broadcaster in the UK. And this podcast today will be with former cruiserweight world champion, a man who's been in repose, Enzo Macronelli, also competed at a high level at light heavyweight. We'll talk about the kind of complex issue for people caught between the 25-pound range between light heavy and cruiser, and also why he maintains that boxing saves more lives than, than it takes at the moment, we are in lockdown still in the UK, getting into the start of May, uh, with coronavirus pandemic sweeping the world, still very much uh, life not quite normal. He's inspiring people on Twitter, though, through his exercise regime and things like that. And kind of a somber and sobering day for us in my family as we got directly affected by coronavirus for the first time, with my sister-in-law's father passing away overnight, who had severe dementia despite being in his 60s. And believed that coronavirus was in the home where he was despite not having the physical symptoms associated with the uh, virus he had kind of heightened confusion and things like that which they think is associated with it too Um, and I think the underlying factors dementia is the number one so yeah difficult time and I think one that kind of brings home why we're all home despite those of us who may or may not have had it and a lot of us don't know we've had it uh, shaking it off relatively well. It's clearly a, a pretty clinical and ruthless disease for anyone with any loopholes in their immune system. Um, on that note, remember that if you want to get supplements, food-based supplements, as recommended by my father, Dr. Mark Draper, who's a general practitioner, doctor, and a nutritionist, you can go to Cytoplan our website, which is a leading supplement designer. that He's helped design supplements there as well. And something we've trusted as a family for for two decades and you can get a discount a 10% discount if you enter draper10 capital letters draper my last name d-r-a-p-e-r and then the numbers one zero and you can go to cytoplan's website c-y-t-o-p-l-a-n this podcast brought to you with a partnership with them but also with bang and olufsen of cheltenham and serene av Jason Briggs and his team, big supporters of this podcast. They are specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands producing solutions based around high quality customer service and installations. I'm sure you know the sort of world famous name, Bang & Olufsen, Serene AV is a kind of sister company through which they deck out uh, big entertainment systems and and kind of will use non-Bang & Olufsen stuff if they deem it appropriate. Uh, Jason and his guys working from home but very much available for either new purchases or consultations about uh, equipment existing you've bought with them via the Bang and Cheltenham website <clears throat> and indeed social media there on Twitter Instagram and everything like that I do hope you're well uh, look out for a week from now the weeks the 8th to the 10th if you're interested in well-being and health the guys who I combined with and hosted events for the Cheltenham Wellbeing Festival last year the inaugural Cheltenham Wellbeing Festival in the town where I live in the west of England they are hosting the first ever virtual well-being weekend live life well virtual weekend which you can follow their social media the Cheltenham Wellbeing all the details of all the talks available there there is a token £10 uh, registration fee to view all the talks online and be kind of I'm not sure the, the detail yet I'm hosting one on adventure series with Paula Reid who's trekked the Arctic only woman to complete it a certain distance in the in the Arctic and um, going to be chatting to her on a Sunday talk but I'm not sure what platform it'll be on yet but I believe it'll be on the Cheltenham Wellbeing website, but certainly all the details of, of how that will unfold are on the Instagram page in particular, and I'm sure the Facebook page as well of the Cheltenham Wellbeing Festival. Anyway, guys, I hope you're well. Looking forward to this conversation with Enzo Macronelli. I've actually recorded it a little bit earlier, and he's on good form. 
and uh, talks really in glowing terms about the sport of boxing at a time when health is a concern and we're looking at chronic traumatic encephalopathy as Chris Dixon was telling me last week in his forthcoming book boxing journalist on the damage sustained by fighters and the impact on their brains and how that affects all walks of their life and can lead to not only dementia but depression and other aspects of mental health that maybe haven't fully considered but Enzo outlines here powerfully about how many people it does bring meaning and, and definition and discipline to their life anyway I hope you're well um and have a have a great weekend friday today and enjoy it and we'll speak to you again very soon thanks hello enzo hey there did i met yes very well buddy how are you yeah not too bad not too bad what's this morning look like for you you're done, it's 10 o'clock 10 30 you've done some brutal running already <laughs> no when i went in a gym and in the garage done 15 rounds in the bags a bit of kettlebell workout um wow. It hurt my ankle last Monday, so I'm running. So I've tried to stay off it. Oh man! To, to, to an extent, but it just just can't can't keep me down. <laughs> <laughs> Good man. Well, yeah, because every, everywhere I look online, you're still listed as, as pretty much retired or, or whatever like that. But how do you see it? You, you, you still you still kind of dreaming of this this big kind of final final goodbye? If I, if I'm honest, mate, it was um, I done a bit of sparring um, last year. I, I won't mention no names because. You know, I'm not. I'm not like that. He, he's very uh, highly touted. I hadn't been in a ring for a year. They asked me for a bit of sparring. They asked me to do ten rounds. I said, "Look, I won't do ten. Um, you know, I am. I am, I am sparring. Mm. In the ring. I said, in fact, I said maybe give me six. Give me a couple of rounds out, and then I'll jump back in again. Um, cut a long story short. First round I was hopeless. Second round things come yeah. together. Third round I finished it. Uh, and I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't mean to. Uh, it was, it was just one of them. Things. Really? Like I, said, I, won't, I won't name no names because I'm, I'm not like that. But you know, he was, he, he very decent. He sparred some big names, and you know, it, it was quite. You know, I had something there, so I wanted it then. Then I had a car crash, and I lost my brother. Uh, it just, ah, uh, just everything went to, went to hell. Oh man, that's terrible. How, well, how are you? How do you feel now then after that? Because that's a terrible loss to lose your brother. Because you're only, you're only 39 now. I presume he was, he was very young. No, he was uh, he was fifty nine. You know, he's from um, he was uh, from separate mothers, same father, separate mothers. But we were always close. Um, so he he passed away. He was he was helping me in the gym uh, when my dad passed away. We took over the gym together, the mm. amateur club. Um, and he passed away. And then, and then about a week or two later, I had a car crash. Guy went in the back of me. Um, I thought I was all right. They went training. A couple of days later, I couldn't get out of bed and. Uh, I had a herniated disc, but it was a it was a disc that was pressed on both my nerves, my left and right leg nerve. So I I pretty much couldn't walk for a year. Wow, has that been an operation to resolve that? No, I literally I went to uh, in June. Um, I had a, a cortisone injection uh, in the back, um, and I'm one of the very rare people who have an extra vertebrae in his back, so he could they couldn't get the injection in properly. Um, so then I found myself a good physio, uh, Anthony Carter. He's, he's uh, the Ospreys rugby physio. Mm. Uh, he looked after me. He got me to where I was. Uh, I, I was up every morning. I was I was going training. I could barely stand up to put my clothes on to go to the gym. I couldn't do much in the gym, but I was doing it. You know, it was, he, he told me get through it, get through it, and you know I did. And you know, for me to be back running uh, has been amazing for me. Yeah, well, yeah, I man, that is amazing, mate. That's amazing to recovery. But what do you, what do you speaking to Tristan? Interviewed a lot of 
older fighters, particularly kind of guys of the era of Frazier and, and Ali, not those guys necessarily, but he, he's written books and he talks about sort of the, the long-term damage. Do you, do you worry about that at all? Because I know you've had more, obviously no. so many more wins than, than losses, but you have been stopped yeah, yeah. before. Yeah. I have, yes. And, you know, I think it was my, you know, it was my, my sort of style of fighting. You know, if, if you come spar me in the gym or come see me boxing in the gym, I'm slack, I'm on my toes, I don't get hot. But some, something, come old, something come, comes old to me on fight night. I have to... I have to please the crowd. I have to entertain. You know, I see it as an entertainment business. But if you look at my face, yes, I've been caught. I've been banned. But I've never, ever taken a sustained beating. Mm. Not not, not once. Not in the gym. Nothing. I've, I've been caught with big shots pretty much most of, you know, 90% of the time. I've always been on top and I've just walked in trying to finish. You know, yeah. that, was, that was my style. And That's interesting. There's an argument. I was going to say, yeah, an argument, I was going to say that you know, clean knockout losses is an argument that perhaps on the brain that's that's actually not as detrimental as cumulative punches. Because I know there's been some fears over women's boxing that clean knockouts aren't as common, and that potentially it's that cumulative stuff that that could cause more damage long term. Yeah, well, I I do believe I'm, I'm a massive believer in what happens in the gym is pretty much detrimental to your brain health. Uh, you know, I, yeah. see, I see some absolute wars. And don't get me wrong, I have it in my gym. I let the boys have open sparring once in a while, but I make sure it's even. No one's getting the upper hand. Um, you know, it's like that. But, you know, when I bought, I've never actually taken a, a beat in, in the ring. I've walked into shots. And, you know, I've walked into shots with boys. I think we, we mentioned the other day about the, the weight limit from Cruiser to, yeah. you know, to 14 4. You know, I, I, I was boxing boys, cutting down from 15 stone to get to 14 4. Well, I'm weighing thirteen ten, so I was yes. just walking into shots against bigger boys. Even though I was in control, I was on top of them, and you know, it's just, just, just thing. But you know, for the mental health, uh, it's more mental health. Mentally, I, I need this fiftieth fight. I, I still think I got something left. I'm not yep. looking. I'm not looking upon a, a run together. It's you know, I'm too old for that. <laughs> too much going on. Uh, is it is it is it that number the fifty? Is it that magical kind yeah, of round? I had number? I had fifty amateur fights. I had fifty amateur fights at one forty six. Uh, I'd love to finish on fifty pro fights. May, maybe I have one more if I look really good and someone offers me something. Um, mm. You know, I I like that extra one. But you know, I when I when I was younger, you could have told me any name, and I did. I think Frank Warren's openly come on record said I'm the only fight that you've ever had and never ever questioned an opponent. <laughs> it's, it's not my way. So when yeah. I was younger, if you'd have said to me, you know, uh, you're fighting Mike Tyson, I would have gone, yeah, no problem at all. I'm not going to do very <laughs> well against him, but in my mind, uh, yeah. you know, I, I fear no one. Now I look, I look at the the cruiserweight rankings, the world champions, and you know, I think, well, oh, uh, Whereas a couple of years ago, yeah, no problem at all. I smash him the bets. Now he's thinking, ooh. But then it's one I do see. I see that Macabo, the WBC champion. Yes. Uh, yeah, Isaac Chamberlain was talking to me about him this week, yeah. targeting I, him. Yeah. I, I would I would fancy that. Mm. I, I really think I could. I think he's, he's dangerous, but I think he's open. Uh, and I think, I don't think, um, I think I'd be able to catch him. Well, you're, but, you're, you're, you're five inches taller than him as well, aren't you? I mean, Tony Bell, you had a big sort of height and size advantage on him. Uh, I, I won't be, I, you know me, Ed, I won't be using no boxing ability. I'd be going straight in for the swag <laughs> first. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you still, you still, main, is that, is, do you think that's, is that instinct? You can't, you can't circumnavigate that. You can't change that. Is that kind of your well, style? When I was, like I said, if you come to see me in the gym, uh, people who spar me, they, they, they go out and they, they sort of open jaw. They think, that's, that's not the end. So we see, um, yeah. you know, I, I dictate everything on a jab. No one comes close to me. I don't get in range. I don't. I literally, I'm non-stop working. But I, I just 
don't get caught. I don't come close to being caught. But then when I was younger, um, I think it was about 14, it was an amateur fight. And, you know, I was boxing, I was steady. And, you know, I remember the crowd booing. You know, these, these small uh, little clubs full of smoke and stuff like that. The crowd were booing. Even though I was boxing well and I was looking good, the crowd were booing. And I didn't mm. like that. And I think subconsciously in my head, I realised it's an entertainment business. And, you know, it, it has got me in trouble. But it's got me a lot of fans as well because of the way I, I, you know, I always put myself on the line. Is that, that's a danger in boxing, isn't it? And we were talking about this with Tris as well. That, you know, it happens in the media now as well because you can see so many different journalism outlets. And you know those people are covering boxing now that, that aren't attached to a, to a big media company. But it's that attention-seeking is that you have to have. Do you, did, what, how did you approach that kind of stuff? Because you've always been a, a plain speaker, but you don't, you don't seem to be particularly disrespectful or, or trash-talking in the way you've gone about it. I've been brought up well. I, I don't believe in slagging people off. I don't believe... If I've if I got something to say to someone, I'll say it to their face, you know, my... My dad's brought me up that way. Um, you know, it's after time, when, when we were people and um, when they try to wind each other up, they say some things and, you know, the, 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 the fans get behind, oh, that's nasty. Half the, <laughs> half the time, they don't mean nothing. All yeah. they're doing is just trying to get an edge over the opponent. I seem wilder and fury, they're doing this and doing that. You know, they, not, it wasn't going to work on none of them. They, you know, they, they, they know, they know what goes on and, you know, it does, it does, get into people's heads sometimes, but and people on the outside, they think, oh my God, what's he, what's he saying that for? And, you know, it, half the time, he just doesn't listen to it. it, it was, it's, just, it's just part of the game. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, because the crew, just referencing that tweet that you mentioned there, I'll put one out, because I'd spoken to Isaac Chamberlain this week, who's a, a Brixton boxer, and there's going to be a piece on yeah, I know, I know, Sky exactly. Sports website. Really nice yeah. Boy. And he, it didn't really strike me at the time because people actually mentioned him when I put out the tweet. But I just put, whenever I consider boxing, I always look at that gap. And I know UFC people talk about this. I'm not a mixed martial arts expert, but I know they talk about the gaps in their, in their sport. And with boxing, it just seems that light heavyweight, which is 12 and a half stone, 175 pounds. Now, that gap to cruiserweight, 25 pounds. So it's more than you know, getting, on for, well, getting on for two stone in terms of this difference. And as you were referencing there, it moved up by 10 pounds, didn't it, I think, in what two thousand and four, something like that. So yeah, it's, yeah, it was, yeah, it was something like that. And um, but like and like I said, you know, it's with with weight cut, weight cutting at the moment, and do a weight cut right. You know, you literally drop in a stone a couple of days before the weigh in. You put it back on, so technically you fighting a boy a stone heavier than what he actually weighed in. And when like myself yeah. was weighing for thirteen seven, thirteen eight, naturally, uh, I I'm pretty much giving away two stone every time I fight. So yeah, because you and you yeah. went the other way than most people, didn't you? I mean, you most people go up in weight, but because of that, I guess primarily because of that change, maybe. And you obviously fought David Hay, you won the world title, you held a, held a world title, WBO 2006, 2008. Mm-hmm. And then you had that unification fight with Hay in what, 2008? It's incredible, isn't it? It's 12, yeah. 12 years ago now. But you actually went down to light heavy, so that's a 25 pound gap. But you're one of those, I guess, unlucky people to fall in the middle of that, that big range. Yeah, I was, you know, I had to, I, I didn't really, uh, I didn't really struggled to make light heavy I had to be I had to be very um, on point with my diet my fluid intake uh, my mm. training never starved myself um, you know I looked after me I was eating four or five meals a day uh, I was doing things properly but it did take something out of me um, just you know it was, it was great where uh, the boys that were fighting I could, I could feel the difference in power it's like over McKenzie massive puncher uh, he, yeah. he ate me on a button a few times. Just did register with me. Just did, you know, he was he was the same weight as me. Didn't register. But then when you feel someone like uh, a David A hit me, who's pretty much a stone heavier than anyone tonight, you feel that extra power. 
that, yeah. that, that extra strength. And, you know, whereas uh, I was, I'd say, one of the fastest as a cruiser, and I, I was physically very strong. Don't get me wrong, I could knock up any cruiser on the planet. I, get, mm. I do believe I get that hard. Uh, but I had that speed advantage as well. But when he went down to uh, like heavy, I didn't have the speed advantage. I still fast, just as fast as them, but I didn't have that speed advantage. So I had the, the strength advantage, but it, it just took took a little something out of me. So it sort of, um, mm. like you said, I, I was caught in between. Yeah. Have you spoken to Bellio about that? Because he obviously went the light heavy route first, didn't he? And he, and he ended up kind of um, getting knocked out by Donna Stevenson at light heavy and then moved up and had his glory moments at Cruiserweight because he... You know, he said he was just a, a pale shadow of himself, uh, light heavy. And you look back at the pictures now, and it was it was brutal how drained he looked. Oh yeah, he did. And, you know, I spoke to him a few times. Good friend of mine, Tony, and um, you know, he, he was he did he did look terrible at light heavy. And uh, I think uh, as 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 the world evolved, as the boxing game evolved, nutrition got more of a played a big part in boxing. So I when I made the decision to try light heavy. I literally done it spot on. Um, mm. I remember like, I was eating fools and Gary, Gary Locker at the time telling me, oh my God, I, I wouldn't eat that this close away. I said, oh, look, I know what I'm doing. I was, eat, I was drinking six, seven litres of water a day. He's like, you can't do that. And I said, look, <laughs> I, look I, I know what I, I'm doing. And, you know, if you think about Gary, for example, um, how good he could have become uh, mm. where he literally used to starve himself to make Oof. great. Joe Calzaghe, probably one of Britain's best ever fighters. You know, if you you think of if he had the knowledge of diet, where he yeah. didn't have to, you know, I know Joe did eat, eat for two or three days before a weigh-in to make um, super middle, yeah, yeah, one, make, one, one, make, one six eight twelve. Yeah, seven, yeah. He, he never made it two or three days before a weigh-in, and you know, I remember watching him once, and I asked him how are you, and he popped his tongue out, and he was just dry and white, and you know, it makes <laughs> you think how good, how much better, you know, he's amazing as he was, um, yeah. how much better he would have been with that little bit of extra. But then on the other side of things, maybe that's what made him, that that hunger and uh, the way he used to do things, uh, maybe that's what made him who he was, I don't know. Mm. Yeah, maybe that drive of, and I guess his greatest performances came as an underdog, didn't they, particularly exactly. against Jeff, Jeff Lacey. Yeah, well, I remember, I remember once Gavin Reese uh, later on in his career, uh, he made weight for a fight, I think it was Buckland, um, he boxed, he looked terrible and he done the weight. He'd never done the weight so easy. Mm. Uh, he'd done it properly. He got a nutritionist with him and all that. For the rematch, he said to Gary, he said, Gah, I didn't like it. He said, but Gary, you know, you've done it properly. <laughs> you've done it the right way. He said, let me do it my way. Just let me do it. And his, yeah. way, was, his way was awful. But yeah, done it. But that's the psychology he, of it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, he felt better on the night. He had, his best, he had his best performance in years and he won the fight. Wow. Well, I remember speaking to Ed Robinson, obviously, he's a senior producer at Sky Sports now, but a long-term boxing reporter. And he had a few fights himself as well. And I remember him saying that, that you know, I said to him, why do boxers get up early in the morning and, and perhaps, you know, kind of limit their sleep, maybe not get as much rest? And he said, it's not about the physical, it's about the psychological, psychological going through adversity, which, which you need. And I suppose, in a way, you know, weight cutting, if it's not too savage, is part of that kind of toughening up of the mind. Well, it is, but Gavin Gavin's was savage. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I remember all the years, all the years he was in the amateurs. We, we boxed from ten years old together, and you know, mm. they literally, you know, it'd be, it's, it's just mad to think what he used to do. And again, is an, is another one uh, how good he could have become if they'd done it properly. Mm. 
What was your, yeah, yeah, your relationship with the Calzaghis was, was important, wasn't it? And Enzo trained you. Yeah. And it, obviously, it's, you, you've got Italian heritage with your name. Is there a bit, there's a big Italian population, isn't there, for people listening around the world to, to South Wales, it seems. Yeah, it is. And um, I remember, I, remember I, I boxed a fight and, you know, things were stagnating for me. And, you know, I decided to give Enzo... My, my father, uh, he was friendly with Enzo. You know, I boxed Joe as a kid. Um mm. And yes, he, he said we're going to try it better. So I, I thought I'd try it better. He had this, he had this um, notoriety of being such a tough trainer and stuff like that. And I, I, I myself, I, I love pushing myself to the limits. So I, you know, I decided to give him a go, and you know, we just kept on from there. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, you, you did as well. And um, what I mean, what what was the key to his his skill as a trainer? And it must have been difficult for him as a father to have that relationship with Joe to to be both the concerned father and the it, trainer. It, it was totally mad. They, they literally, you know, he treated he treated me like uh, I I gotta say he treated me like another son in the gym. He, <laughs> he was great to me. Me and Joe were more more than friends. You know, we got really close. But Enzo and Joe themselves they separated father and mm. son in the gym. Um, yeah, some of the arguments, you know, me and me and Joe sparring one day, and uh, you know, he was just one of them days. He just weren't feeling it, and Enzo's giving him grief, and he's giving Enzo grief back, and they calling each other what what well, it was, yeah, it was mad what they were calling each other. And I'm I'm sitting in the corner about to spar Joe now, and I'm thinking, my God, his head's camping with it and all that. But as soon as the gym finishes, they go for, they go for they go for food, they go for a car, just literally separated everything. He just had such a such a knack. He would in the gym was his his way. Pretty much out of the gym was his way as well. But he, he would a bit more he would a bit more leniency to get away with a certain yeah. couple of things out of the gym. Like how, how is Jokes? Did he am I right to think he lost his mother as well recently? I don't know if that's true. Yeah, 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 he lost his mother, you know, for about eighteen months. I went I went to the food mall, I went to see him, which is which is but I wish I haven't seen him for ages, and you know, like to come to something like that to see him. Mm. I seen him on his dad's film as well, so you know, I promise after all this is all, we're gonna catch up, we have a fight, uh, and, and have a chat. And you know, he just had a horrendous uh, eighteen months, I think. Yeah, and do you think do you think that sort of in times like that, does the fight game and the resilience you, you acquire is that one of the skills that, that helps you cope in those situations? I, do you think you must have been through that yourself? To be honest, I don't know, mate. I lost my dad seven years ago, and. Uh, Eight years ago now, um, and I was so close to my dad, and I was a, I was a bearer at the funeral, and I was advised not to be a bearer because he said, "No, it's not good have a family." But I thought to myself, you know, if anyone's carrying my dad, it's me. We were so close, mm. and um, and and I remember I didn't cry at the funeral, and um, I didn't I didn't show no emotion, and literally for about four or five weeks, I remember thinking, well, "What's wrong with me?" and you know, me and me, my dad was so close. He literally took me everywhere. And one day, I, I just, I just burst out crying. And mm. you know, I, I was, it was, it was just people deal with things in different ways. Yeah, yeah. I think the timing, it's sort of process it, don't you, before you can release yes, it. I of think course. that's the key. Um, and then it, and then it comes out. How have you found lockdown, mate? Because obviously you've been going full ball with the training. I know you've had a couple of cheat days you've talked about with your food, but you've been uh, up every morning running and, and doing the rounds. Yeah, I've been up. I don't mind. I don't mind so much. And um, you know, I got uh, the, the the boy. I take my boy on a bike ride. We go, you know, it was a nice day. We got some volleyball in the garden and stuff like that. My my other boy, uh, who's twelve, he's um, he. I take him up. He meets his mate. They go running. Part of the part of the the rug, rugby program they've they've set for the boys. Um, mm. they, they stay fair play to them. They stay more than two meters apart. 
they want they're only twelve. They're doing five k runs. Uh, so you know it, it is what it is. It, it's hard, and you know, I like going out and stuff like that. But you know I've um, sort of knuckled down to my training, and uh, if I'm uh, if I'm having this last one, uh, I make sure I'm prepared. Yeah, it's almost like a camp mentality, isn't it? Speaking to boxers, that they kind of just feel like they're trying to put themselves in a, in that kind of camp mentality where. You, you wouldn't go out and socialise necessarily. You just kind of, obviously it's different, but trying to kind of incorporate some of that experience in boxing to, to use it in this situation. Yeah, you know, I, I get up in the mornings, um, uh, I go in the gym, I go running, because uh, obviously I've got my own amateur club as well. So I, I, took, uh, I took a bag from there, I put it in my garage. Uh, fair, fair play, a couple of the other boys are for me, oh, can, we, can we borrow a bag? And they said, yeah, no problem at all, as long as you bring it back, which it really well. <laughs> Um, and you know it's, it's sort of it is what it is and um, you know if you, if you think about years and years and years ago uh, these people people were asked to, to fight for their country they were asked to fight in a war all, mm-hmm. we, were, all we were asked to was sit in the house watch TV stay in with all the mod cons all the food everything you want and you know we got People complaining and wanting to go out, and I've seen some videos in America where they uh, they they they're against the being, mm, told, yeah. to, being told to stay in, and they they protest and out for freedom. And I'm thinking, yeah, you know, you pass on to your grand, you pass on to mm. your thing, then you'd be struggling. Yeah, yeah, no, it's definitely a, it's a brutal thing. We had a loss. My sister-in-law's father passed away, and he had severe yeah. dementia. But yeah. he actually, I think, COVID kind of pushed him over the edge. So for people who are vulnerable, it's a it's a massive, serious thing. Obviously, it can be affect anyone. Um, but what do you think the effect's going to be on boxing of, of this delay? Because do you think, when are we going to see fights and how? Because presumably, I'm, t- I'm talking to people, like I remember Daniel Dubois the other week, the heavyweight up-and-coming Londoner. He said that he'll need a month. His trainer, Martin Bowers, reckons he'd want two months with him sparring and things like that to get him fight ready to fight Joe Joyce. What, what's your assessment of that in terms of when boxing can happen once the lockdown resumes? How long will we need after that? It, it all depends, but it, like you said, you will need probably need uh, a good two months uh, mm. for each fight to, to get ready. And um, you know, it's you look at the football. You know, they're trying to rush the football back, and they're talking about them playing with masks on and stuff like that. And you know, it, it got it just got to be safe. And you mm. know, uh, I remember, I remember the week before the lockdown started, we were I went open the boxing gym, and it was absolutely jam packed. There about there were forty boys in there. Um, and the next day, the, the championships got cancelled. Mm. Uh, so I got like a, a boxing WhatsApp group and um, I just said, look, boys, might as well shut the gym now, take a break till all this is over. And they go like, oh, come on. I said, look, we're all, <laughs> we're all fit and healthy. It's not going to bother us. Well, presumably, it's not going to bother us, but it's who you're going to pass it on to. Yeah. Uh, you know, we just need to be safe. Uh, and we'll, we'll start the, we'll start up as soon as we can. But like you said, when boxing starts, it's got it's got to be it's got to be at least two months just for boys to get ready. And unless and uh, well, say unless boys are training, but they, they probably are training, but they're not training with their coaches. They're not learning timing and sparring. And yes, of course, of course. Some some people. I was never a big sparrer, so I didn't really need uh, a whole lot of sparring. But some people rely on these sparring. Um, yeah. So you know, it's just a lot of factors. But you know, the British Boxing Board of Control—they—they they, uh, one of the most uh, stringent on the planet, and I'm sure they make sure safety comes first before anything. 
Yeah, well, I was going to ask you, Enzo, because you want this 50th fight. What is that, that feeling? Is the expression in boxing, something left in the basement? Is that, is that what it feels like? It's just because you've been, been out of the ring for nearly four years and looking at your record. But is it just it's something for your own mentality rather than yeah. what other people think? Yeah, of course it is for my own mentality. But I will tell you this. You know, people say a fight is the last person to know is finished. I'll know if, if it's finished. And, you know, my last fight, I let myself down. I didn't, I won't focus. I, I was, I was in, the, in the ring thinking about taking my boy to football in the morning. You know, that, oh, that, that shows a sign of someone who's not ready. I had three weeks, I had three weeks notice where I wouldn't use any excuse. So I was still fit to do 12 rounds any day of the week. It was a European title fight, wasn't it? Yeah. Wow. And, you know, I, 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 I honestly, God, I remember first round walked out. Uh, I didn't warm up properly. I was thinking, I hit my, I hit him in the left of the body and straight away, the, the, the gasp of air and I remember, th- I remember thinking oh, this ain't going to take too long no, I'll, I'll get home and take my boy to football in the morning next thing he yeah. caught me and you know that's, that's, that's a sign of me not being switched on um, so I've always regretted that uh, more than anything and you know I still feel I got something left uh, I might spar I might spar mm. against someone who I, I know I, can, I, could, I could have played with um, in my in my time, and you know, I might after the fourth session, I might come up and say, "Nah, I am got it." And I, mm. uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not. Be honest, honest with yeah, yourself. I'm yeah, I'm not silly. I'm not silly with that. And uh, I, I fit my my times. Uh, my time, my running times are improving. My my punch output, my strength. You know, I I'm looking as just as fast as I ever have on the bag and things like that. But you know, if I spar and I I think I'm absolutely rubbish, I'll say to myself, and mm. you know, I don't know. No problem with that. I'd I'd like it, um, and but the thing is with me, I wouldn't like it to be um, my just to have my fiftieth against some Hungarian taxi driver or mm. a Latvian road sweeper just to get my fiftieth win. I'd probably need uh, meaningful opponent. Yeah, probably need some of the you know just fr- frighten me a little bit to get myself switched on. If you know what I mean. Yeah, because you've, you've had some highlights. There's nothing, you know, I think on the record, it's there for all time to see. Cruiserweight world champion, you've won a European title. You obviously challenged for a world title at light heavy as well against Bremer, the German. So it's incredible. It's an incredible career, isn't it? When you finish, when you have that uh, 50th fight, do you think you'll continue training and conditioning? I don't know, you probably listen to it as well, but Mike Tyson on Joe Rogan's podcast, yeah. he, he couldn't train because it would raise that ego and that kind of desire to fight again. You couldn't control it in a way. Do you, do you feel that way or do you think you'd be able to be like no, I'd just be, conditioning? I'll be all right. I'll be training. I'll train with the boys at the gym. I've got I've got a good squad of boys. I I you know I I literally uh you talk about my European title fight. I, I won a European title. I went out to Russia. No one wanted to fight the boy. Um I got offered a different fight for a lot more money, an easier fight but I you know I said to Frank, I said oh European title he said look ends the other one's easier I said look European title in Russia, I don't care. Went over to yeah. Russia, told them all, I said, I'll knock him out first round. They all laughed, I knocked him out first round. I literally, yeah. in the ring, I phoned my dad while I was in the ring, and people thought I was phoning my wife and stuff like that. I literally phoned my dad to find out how one of our youngsters got off in the World Championship. <laughs> as I've, always had a, I've always had a thing to see boys achieve their goals. And, you know, I get... If, if I didn't box again, I didn't box again. You know, I've got... Yeah. I've got I got things to do and do a bit of property. I, um, there's a company called Juno Moneta. They look after my investments. I do a bit of property myself. Uh, I got I got a thriving gym. You, you don't do the DIY, do you? For your property, like Carl Frotch that he used to. I, do, I, can do, I can do. I can do all. I literally. Oh, good man. House. I literally smashed everything up. You give me a sledgehammer. Yeah. 
and a pickaxe, I would work like a Trojan. You give me a screwdriver <laughs> and a shelf, I haven't got a clue. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. I remember Carl telling me he was fumigating one of his properties a while back. I don't know if he's still, still hands-on with his, uh, his stuff. But it's great when boxers do that. How important is that just financial savvy as well? During the, because you speak to so many fighters who made good money who don't have it anymore. Well, it's, it, unfortunately, it's, you know, you live the life. I was never, you know, I never lived beyond my means. I've got... I, I got a house I live in, which is no mortgage. I got another. I got another property with no mortgage, um, which I don't know where to sell. Thing. I got a, apartments. Uh, mm. I got money in a bank. I got money in a in a group. Um, so in a, like a consortium with uh, Juno Moneta. Um, so I, I, you know, I, I'm okay. Uh, I'm mm. okay. Don't get me wrong. I I couldn't live on what I got now for the rest of my life, but I got enough to do something with to make money for the rest of my life. Um, good for you and you know it's it's you know i try i tell the boys up the gym and stuff like that as soon as you start doing it put 50 percent to a side start looking after things and stuff like that because a couple of them want to turn pro they're good fighters a couple of them want to turn pro and they've asked me to have my, my pro license and you know i am really interested in me before but for for the boys i i would but it's i i think if i didn't fight i still got enough to do to keep me occupied yeah, well, that's great. It's great to hear that, that kind of, I think, it's a huge role model for young boxers, those you're working with as well. And I think we mentioned Mike Tyson, one of the all-time great names of boxing, but another one's on your, your record as well, 2015, December the 12th, <laughs> put it in front of me now, the, the win over Roy Jones Jr. in Moscow, because Roy Jones Jr. won the all-time boxing legends as best mates with Vladimir Putin, wasn't he, or something like that. That's uh, a, a crazy story. What was that like? I mean, was it, was it bittersweet because he was such a legend and he was towards was, the end of his career? What did you make of it? It was... I'd say it was bittersweet. Um, I wasn't a massive fan, as in, as in, he was my idol. As a, mm. as a, as a boxer, he could could have possibly gone down as one of the greatest. And in yeah. his prime, he probably still is one of the greatest. You know, him, him and Leonard would have been an unbelievable matchup. Um, Did he rely too much on instinct? Then was that because he was so his reflexes were so good that perhaps he didn't have the, the no? But they they looked at me. They they picked me. I unboxed a couple of years. I've been in a light every for a couple of years. Um, uh, he, apparently, he was looking brilliant and smiling. He was fighting a couple of top five in the world boys and handling them quite comfortably. Uh, so they picked me. I've gone out there. For the press conference, um, great. You know that he. It, it was funny because I, I put I put a I put a photo on my Twitter at the time. He got picked up. He rolled up at a limo. Me, me, <laughs> me and Richard Maynard, who was working with Frank at the time, we oh, yeah. <laughs> they rolled up with like a three wheeler for me and him. <laughs> so we, we got to the arena. We done the press conference, and you know it was it, it was mad. Guest of the fight. Um, yeah, what was Russia like? It, 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 You've fought uh, there before, haven't you? Yeah, it was, yeah. It, was, it, was, it was different. You know, they, they took me to a gym. And um, when I started, Gary Lockett couldn't come the couldn't come on the day. Okay. Uh, uh, for, in of the fight, we couldn't come uh, early in the week like the rest of us. So Alex Hughes, one of the boys, boxer Gary, he took me on the pads. And I think as soon as they see me hitting them pads, I think mm. the promoter, Vlad Hearn, off his jaw dropped. <laughs> uh, he must have thought I was finished, uh, and he, he seen me at them pads. I, I, I was striking the pads, and when, when I hit, I do hit hard, and it sort of reverberates around the place. And we was in the gym, and I come out of the gym, and I, I give this boy my t-shirt, and you know he pretty much crying. You know they don't have yeah. much where they were. Uh, he pretty much crying, thank hugging me and, and stuff like that, and it was. Guess the arena. Uh, they had uh, bottles of water in the arena for us, and 
Mm. They were open, so I we stayed away from that and got our own water. <laughs> then they called. Then they called me up. We were in the ice palace. Oh, that, I'm sorry. He was at the way in. I was at the way, and he shot my hand, and mm. he tried to pull me towards him to show his strength. But I'm naturally very strong, uh, mm. and I, I pulled him towards me. And I said, "Look, it'd be an, it'd be an honor to to fight you tomorrow." I said, "But I know you've got me hurt. The lock got against, and you think you're going to knock me out." But I said, "I will knock you out tomorrow night." And they laughed. And mm. I said, I promise you, I will not go tomorrow night. So we get the arena, it does the water, calls me out, uh, calls me out 20 minutes early. And I, I'm, I'm standing in the like the ice palace, the Moscow ice palace. It's freezing cold. Didn't bother me. I started punching the wall with my gloves on just to keep thinking. Mm. You know, people are looking at me over. This boy's a bit crazy. Like, uh, <laughs> Then, then they say uh, they call me in the ring, and they have bag bagpipes playing me in the ring. So I don't know whether they thought the name Mac was Scottish. I oh, don't right. know. Uh, then we're in the ring. They're playing not like, Italian. Yeah, they play the national. They play the English national anthem for a Welshman. Uh, and I know. Like, oh wow. my God! So the fight yeah. started. Uh, uh, obviously, what happened? I, I knocked him out. Uh, I hit the floor, and I took a knee. And I took a knee in mid sign across, and people would say, "Oh, he's done that because it's Roy Jones." No, I didn't. When I, from a young, young age, my first knockout, uh, my first clean knockout, I was 13 years of age, I knocked the kid out uh, in the British Championships quarter finals. I knocked him cold in about 30 seconds. Yeah. I take a knee. I take a knee. Just in respect. And, yeah, I take and, a knee. Wishes for them, yeah. I turned 17. I turned 17 and I boxed a couple of years. Uh, they offer my boy, my father said, we've got any, they said to my dad, we've got any heavyweights. And he said, yeah, Enzo. He said, oh, look, Mario. My dad's name Mario. He said, um, <laughs> You can't put ends with this boy. He's only young. This boy's twenty five. He's he's only lost one in twenty four. He's you know he's the next big thing. He said, "Yeah, ends off fighting." He said, "Look, you can't." And I remember I, he's, we we took the fight. It went there. It was an article in the paper. Enzo, really good schoolboy, ex British champion. Don't expect mm. too much of him tonight. He's been out for two years. Well, cut long story short, I'd gone in there and I knocked him cold. And it was a nasty knockout. Wow. He was one uh, face first on the floor. Uh, as I was to do later, do I have a look at? Uh, it was face first on the floor, and I literally just yeah. sit in the corner, uh, you know. Yeah. And then I had ten senior fights, nine first round knockouts, one in a second. Uh, and mm. I took a knee in all of them because at the end of the day, I'm a sportsman. I done. I'm trying to knock someone out. That is my game, but I never want to want to hurt anyone. Yeah, how do you sell that to people? Just because I'll wrap up now, because you've got, I'm sure, a busy, busy day ahead. But because people who detract from boxing and say that it's dangerous, and you know, I always say it's so complex because a lot of people will tell me. You know, I had Adam Harper on the podcast recently. He was a local, a local super, super welterweight who says that you know it saved him. He didn't have a dad, never met his father. His mum chucked him out at 16, and he he kind of saved him through the the mentorship of boxing and the discipline and the kind of self improvement aspect of it. So I always say to people, it's it's difficult because it is a dangerous sport, but there's so much positives to it. How do you? sell it to your, your boys and how do you instruct them to, to, to navigate it as safe as possible first of all all my boys know um, I'll only accept the loss in the gym if the boy is better than them uh, yeah. I make sure they're ready they fit they're strong they give me the best I'm happy but their safety is my first priority uh, yeah. I remember a kid a couple of years ago uh, he literally before the fight I found out he was in a sauna only a drop of pounds I pulled him out of the fight. It was a big fight as well. I pulled him out of the fight. Mm. He said, oh, I was only... I said, I don't care. I said, no, Dehydrated, I, yeah. said, no I like it. It's not, not like a pro fight where you have 20 fouls recovery by an hour. So their, their health is um, my priority. As for boxing itself, um, 
I got criticised for this before uh, by people who've never been involved in the sport. Yeah, if, I mean, yeah. If if you've been involved in boxing for a long time, if you've been involved in not the big fights, not the big championship fights, these grassroots fights, these kids who have nothing, you mm. you will never realise how many more lives boxing saves than it takes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it is unbelievable. It is it is a dangerous sport, and if anyone tells you any different, they're a liar. You know, it's yeah. it's a hard, hard, tough Ooh. sport. But rugby have as many knocks as uh, boxing. Yeah, it's, even football with headers. Now we're talking about brain right. Can you well. think how hard that ball is coming from a, a goalkeeper up up in the air and stuff like that? And bo- boxing is full of discipline, and uh, it it's uh, I've I've had drug addicts in the gym. I've had car thieves. I've had, uh, you know, delinquents. I've, mm. I have kids with Asperger's. I have kids with autism. They come to the gym and they, they change their lives around. Um, yeah. You know, it's, you know, it's not going to fix everyone. You've got to, you've got to want to learn. But the way I've seen boys say, saving from a life in jail, saving from a, a quiet life, uh, you know, boys getting bullied, how they change their lives around through, uh, boxing and sport in general, but I just think boxing, boxing has that that big discipline side to it as well. Yeah, and a big respect you see between fighters. And having never boxed myself, I always try and respect anyone who gets into that ring, as you say, at any level, and always you know say to people who've had positive and and kind of rounded upbringings and opportunities that other people may not have had to not to not judge anyone for for that because it's everyone's situation is different and for a lot of people boxing is a, a great way of developing it's, character it's, maybe 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 getting out of things but actually fundamentally like you say building their character so they can do other things as well in life yeah it is and you know boxing boxing is a discipline sport it's an entertainment sport i remember speaking to someone before and uh you're trying to criticize a boxer and i said well you can't criticize or oh, you're trying to mm. say you're trying to say us fans i'm gonna say no i'm not i know boys who've never boxed before in their life i can i can quite openly have a our two-hour conversation over boxing, a brilliant conversation. But some, yeah. some, sometimes you can't, uh, how do I put it, you can't try and tell me what a boy is thinking at a certain time when you've mm-hmm. never experienced that. You know, like when they have uh, Kel Brock, when he, he, he uh, pulled out his fight with uh, Spencer for the eye. Um, yes. And people yeah. call him a quitter. Fr- fractured eye socket, yeah. Uh, yeah double, people yeah. call him a quitter. And, you know, I'm, try- I'm trying to say to him, Technically, yes, he gave up, but technically, he must have felt something that frightened him uh, when yeah. he would lose his sight. I got no problem in that. I got mm. no problem at all. It's not, uh, it's, his health is his priority. He suffered damage in the Golovkin fight uh, and then the Spence fight. You know, he, he must have been so frightened. And, mm. you know, mm. I, and you cannot call. Uh, a fighter like that, a quitter, and you know, it's too many people quick to try and uh, criticize and try and put fighters down. Whereas yeah. uh, they they wouldn't have the bottle to, to have a go themselves, and that that's sometimes I find hard. Yeah, we gr- we grew up with the sort of adage of you know, if you've got nothing to nothing nice to say, don't say anything same, at all. But same, think, same as me, mate. Same as me. Yeah, social media now is, is different. Everyone throws a lot of judgment around, even if, and I think sometimes that's insecurity as well. They sort of like will say negative things about boxers or whoever in the public eye. It, it is. They, it they is, feel bad. I, I, you know, I watch I watch some uh, fighters on Twitter, and you know, some I won't mention who said that, but some some you know, I remember reading something. I uh, someone said to a fighter, "I wish I hope you get cancer and die." And I'm thinking, 
how how mm. the hell can you say stuff like that? And you know, I think yeah. I'm, I'm lucky. I get the odd, I get the odd couple of um, Melvin, as I call them. But um, <laughs> most of my, most of my followers are this. Uh, yes, I got, I got some great followers. I, I well, can't... you're inspiring them as well, mate. I mean, you're you're because you're a year ahead of me, but you're the big forty this uh, this year, aren't you? I mean, uh, but you're showing. We're talking to Tris about this last week. Tris Dixon's just turned forty-one, and he was talking about doing CrossFit and how the physical capacity of the body is. He still seems as fit as he's ever been. He said, "Have you been surprised by that? Is that sports science, or do you think we've?" Psychologically, we've underestimated what we can achieve. We've aged ourselves sometimes. Yeah, of course we do. We, we think about, you know, I remember thinking when I was younger, I'm oh, 40 and 40, yes, I can't do it. I won't be able to do it. I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm running as fast as I ever could and my diet is spot on and um, I, my punch output's better. And, you know, I like um, I like the fact when I, you know, I, I, I speak to people on Twitter and, you know, just totally random replies and, you know, they, 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 they say to me, oh, you don't realise how much you helped me and, Things like that, and I I love all stuff like that, and you know I've I've always, um, you know I think someone said to me the other day, or Greg's or ex world champion talking to someone, talking to someone, <laughs> a nobody on Twitter, and I said, well, you're not a nobody. I said, I'm a nobody. I only I only I only box because I loved it. Ed. It was no yeah. it was no other reason for me. Fame, money, nothing. It didn't bother me. And you know when when I talk to these people, and they 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 surprise and talking back to them is. I, I'm just a big fan, like most of them. You know, I've grown up watching boxing. I've, uh, I, I love fighters. I, I've been lucky to meet. Uh, you know, you. When I met Tyson, when I met Duran, it was just I was just gobsmacked. I'm a world champion. I'm, I'm literally. <laughs> I'm in. I'm in all of these fighters, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm just a massive fan. And I think Twitter, Twitter is a great tool. Um, to interact with people who, who who find some great people on there who have such a good laugh and you know when I, when I went through my back injury my herniated desk I couldn't walk and stuff like that it was certain people on Twitter they just got me through it um, mm. you know just having a laugh and a joke and but then on the yeah. other side it's a tool where it gives I I call them gutless people a chance to hide their profile mm. and just slag people off and and like you said insecurities to make themselves feel good. Mm. But I think ultimately it doesn't work for them. They probably feel worse in the long run because I think that's the, the issue with it. But um, Enzo, it's been great to great to speak to you, mate. I appreciate it. And we've I think we connected first on Twitter and stuff. And yeah, definitely. it's been great to see your journey. And I, I, I wanted to come down to Swansea to do an interview. And hopefully we'll do that when this all uh, relaxes and welcome we'll get a proper mate. proper chat in South in South Wales. But mate, thank you for your your time and keep keep doing all your fitness work and stuff. It's definitely inspiring at the moment. And yeah, enjoy the enjoy the rest of the the, the kind of um, the downtime, and then. <laughs> Let us know when the, the fight's in for that 50th. Wish you all the best of luck and, and everything, of course. Top man. Cheers, Ed. So there you have it. Just a little lost connection right at the end, which is probably a good fortune. Must have gone out of reception, probably off on uh, another bit of exercise. Enzo Macronelli, former cruiserweight world champion boxer. Love that strong uh, Welsh, South Welsh accent, uh, accent, Swansea accent, despite the huge Italian uh, connections with his family, Enzo Macronelli, a very Italian name, and his father Mario, as he says there. Um, good, uplifting to speak to him actually, and the kind of robust but intelligent breakdown of, of boxing, I think, which is why you know we're all drawn to it. And despite you know Tris Dixon and I kind of discussing a conflict of reporting and, and covering a sport which can have such severe and permanent effects on boxers. The people that get into that ring and don't always get remunerated for it well in a in a tricky tricky business um that kind of sense of, of boxers particularly at the grassroots level where it seems its effects are, are most beneficial on character and personality and self-esteem and self-respect and respect for others 
that's great to, to get his, his thoughts there. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Have a great weekend. I hope to speak to Johnny Nelson, another former Cruiserweight World Champion and presenter at Sky Sports. Alongside myself, work with Johnny as well and fine broadcaster now after being a fine boxer and his story, one of learning and, and reforming after an early heartbreak in a world title fight where he kind of admits to some sense of embarrassment and he came back to, to reign supreme for, I think, seven years in his division. So that was a fantastic achievement. Look forward to speaking to Johnny. Great character. Um, thanks again to Bang & Olufsen of Cheltenham and Serene AV for sponsoring the podcast. Bang & Olufsen's website and social media, Bang & Olufsen Cheltenham. You can get in touch with Jason Briggs and his team through that. And a reminder that if you want to looking to boost your immunity with the stuff that my father, Dr. Mark Draper, talked about on a podcast, which you can see down the list, a couple of podcasts with my father as a GP and nutritionist, particularly a micronutritionist, concerned with trace elements in the soil, and his argument that our immunity is deficient in the UK because of selenium levels being low in our soil. He recommends a supplement called Immunovite, I-M-M-U-N-O-V-Y-T-E, which is available through Cytoplan, C-Y-T-O-P-L-A-N, their website. And if you use the discount code DRAPER10, my last name, all capitals, then the number 10, you will get a 10% discount if you want to. Uh, yeah, all health and concerns at the moment as well, aren't we? So, and live life well. Uh, virtual weekend coming up on the Cheltenham through the Cheltenham Wellbeing Festival. People check out that online too through Cheltenham Wellbeing social media. Uh, I was part of the inaugural festival, hosted some events last year, and this virtual one, although it's kind of counterintuitive in a sense because we're often through the Wellbeing Festival trying to encourage people to get outdoors and not spend too much time on the screens. But hopefully, this is a, a beneficial and productive use of screen time at the moment when we are all in and something that can inspire us both for the now and dealing with the anxieties of the current situation of lockdown and beyond that and the world that we will re-emerge into which is likely to be a different picture economically but ultimately we have to control what we can control here and now day to day don't we have a great weekend guys thank you